as followers of Jesus, we have been called to a mission. He, he tells us the, the final commands of Jesus in the book of Matthew. He tells us to go and to make disciples. And as important as it is for us as a church, as a church body corporately together, as a church, we are on a mission. But the mission of the church will not happen if we as individuals that make up the body are not on a personal mission. But God has given every single one of us a purpose. He's given every single one of us a mission. And I want to talk about that for a little bit this morning over the next couple of weeks. And if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to, to Acts chapter 17. We're going to be or Acts chapter 18. We're going to be camping out there for a little bit this morning. Let me just give you some backstory going into chapter 18. In, in chapter 17, Paul is in a city called Athens, and he's waiting. And as he's waiting, his heart is troubled because as he looks out, all he sees is a, is a city full of idols. And so he ends up having spiritual conversations, pointing out that, hey, you're worshiping these idols. I want to tell you about the unknown God that you're, you're praying to, but you don't know who he is. So Paul puts context to this unknown God. And many in Athens ridiculed and were ready to throw Paul outside. But others, the Bible says at the end of chapter 17, says this, that they pulled Paul and many became believers. And then Paul will move in to chapter 18, and that's where we're going to find him today. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 18, verse 1, after this, Paul left Athens. Talking about after the conversions, after these people came to know Christ, there were baptisms. Paul leaves Athens and he goes to Corinth. You remember that, that book, 1st and 2nd Corinthians? Those were the letters that were written to this group of people here. And he says he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from uh, Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all of the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath. And he tried to persuade the Jews and the Greeks or the Gentiles. He tried to persuade them. What you've got to understand from this brief passage here, these first few verses, it didn't matter where Paul was. Paul's mission field is wherever Paul is. See, mission is not just a trip. And mission is not an organization. Mission is wherever you are and whenever it happens. This is why when Jesus tells us that we're to go, we're to go on mission, that Greek word in Matthew 28, go, means as you're going through your life, as we're doing everyday things, we are to be on a mission. And he tells us that the things that we do, our mission is to make disciples, our mission is to baptize, and our mission is to teach people to obey the things that Jesus has commanded. Everywhere that we go, just like Paul we are on mission, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in an aisle in the middle of Walmart or Target. It can be on a mission if you're on Amazon.com, because some of you are in a personal friendship with your Amazon driver because he comes every day. That's a mission. And so he says, you got to be on mission no matter where you are. Paul, Paul leaves a place that he's seeing good works happen. And he's come into this new place. And he's in Corinth, and Corinth is going to get some pretty nasty letters, by the way. But he's in a place where he's starting this new church. And as he's starting it, he, he finds people that he has common ground with. Because he's all about the mission. So 
Paul's a tent maker. He, he makes tents for a living. So he finds people that are in the same profession that he is, that he has something in common with, and he begins doing ministry with this group, and he reasons in the synagogue. So he's working, and then he goes to the Jewish synagogue, and now he's reasoning. He's trying to show them and convince them the God that you're praying to, all of these rules and these rituals. There's been a Messiah. His name is Jesus. And he was the, the one that you prophecies, that you read about, your prophets have told you about. He has come. He was, he was here. He lived among his people. He was crucified. He died. And he was resurrected. And he's ascended into heaven just as he said he would. And he's, he's preaching boldly. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 5, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was what? What's that word? Paul is what? Occupied. Paul was occupied with the word testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus, reminding them, again, the, the promised Messiah, you've missed Him. Because He was right here, living among you. And, and he's, he's preaching this Word, but He's saying that when they got there, Paul is occupied with the Word. Yes, he has his job. Yes, he's working this side gig as, as a tent maker. Yes, he knows he has a mission, but he is occupied in the Word. You cannot be on mission if you're separated from the Word and occupied with everything else. I don't know about you, but starting next Saturday, I'm going to be occupied until about January. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some Jesus, I just pray for all these Georgia fans in the room. I know it's going to be a season of disappointment for them. But it's okay because they don't have to play the Gamecocks in 2024. So, in other words, y'all don't get that free win anymore. But we'll be occupied with college football. Do not put your wedding on a day that the Gamecocks or Tigers play. We don't care about everybody else. If, if you're going to have a funeral, check the schedule before. Am I right? Because we, we're occupied. We, we got a team to pull for. We got a team to watch. We got things to throw around in the house when it doesn't go our way. We got to start working on our excuses why our teams aren't good. Like we're occupied, right? Some of you have a different occupied because deer season kicks in. And you're going to sit in that deer stand and you're going to pray that the right thing. And you're always going to come back lying that I saw this big one and I, it just got away. I couldn't, I missed it. It just got away. We, we find ourselves to be occupied. Some of you can be occupied because I've already seen it that the pumpkin spice latte is making its way back. So we know season is in. Some of you will be occupied sitting in the line of a Starbucks trying to get your pumpkin spice lattes. I must admit, I tried one last year. I was a little bit of a fan. A little bit of a fan. My question is, what are we occupied with? What takes up our time? Because we tend as people to be occupied with a bunch of stuff. We, we occupied with a bunch of things, our schedules, and we're busy and we're always going because everything occupies us, but is the most important thing that occupies us the Word of God. Because a lot of times that's the first thing that goes. And when the Word of God goes, so does the Spirit. Because we can't hear Him, we don't know what He's saying, and we can't be on mission if we're not in the book learning what the mission is and how to do it. So we're occupied. I would challenge you, for you and I to be on mission, we have to be occupied in the Word. We've got to be reading it. We've got to be surrounded by people who are reading it. So we have two different types of groups here in our church. We have life groups. That's our small group model. 
They meet, they discuss the sermon, they work with what God's doing, they pray with each other, they're taking care of each other, community. And then we have what we call a disciple group or a D group. We've got seven of these that have launched. And, and what a D group is, is these are people that are walking through the Word of God intentionally on a reading plan, holding each other accountable, hearing from the Spirit, and acting in accordance and being obedient to the thing. These are people who have been baptized and now they're, being, they're learning how to obey the Scriptures. They're, they're, they're living out Matthew chapter 28 because we, we have to be people of the Word. We have to be occupied in the Word. That has to get our attention. That has to be the first thing that we do is read the Scripture. Hey, it's not about how much Scripture you can get through. It's about how much Scripture can get through you. That, we, we worry about how much we read. If I can read the Bible in a year. I don't care if you read the Bible in a year. What I do care is that you read the Bible this year. And that it, it, it takes on in you. And it takes root in you. Because when it takes root in you, everything begins to grow in your life. You look different. You act different. You talk different. Because it consumes you. It's being occupied. And the word occupied is interesting because it means like it takes up residence. Paul is occupied in the Word. The Word has taken up residence in his life because he knows. And, and, and by the way, this dude knew the Word. You remember what Paul's job was beforehand? He, he's been trained by the top leaders in all of that known world. He knew the Word. He used to hold people accountable to the law. But since he's met Jesus, he reads the law completely different. And now he's become occupied with pleasing his father and serving out his days however, whenever he's been called to do it. The Bible continues to say in verse 6, and when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own hands. Heads, I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. In other words, they, they didn't want to accept him. When Paul came in and he's preaching this gospel and preaching about Jesus to them and about the resurrection and the promise, they didn't want to have anything to do with it, so they, they kick him out of the synagogue. He's been removed from the community to the point where Paul says, this is on you, this is going to be all you. He was telling them the truth. And a lot of times we get so scared to tell people the truth that we end up liking what will eventually hurt them in the long run. We will like comments on social media about things that they say that are not even rooted biblically. And we won't even pull them aside to say anything. And we let people sit there and continue to sin out of our fear of just being truthful. And I'd rather hurt your feelings now than watch you live a life that is outside of what God wants for you. With grace, by the way. Because some of us know how to tell the truth. We just got to learn how to tell it with grace. Am I right? Y'all good? All right, four people. You're still with me. Here's the point of those first few verses. Paul was always on a mission. When I walk into a place, I have to ask myself, am I occupied with myself or am I occupied with what's going on? You know that you can still live life and be on mission at the same time. It doesn't mean that you can't go out on the boat anymore. It doesn't mean that you can't hang out with people anymore. It doesn't mean that you, you just need to put on like uh, fancy clothes and wear a tie all the time and you got to keep your life together. It, it, that's not what it looks like. I think we got a bad impression of what Christianity looks like. Because last time I checked, every single one of the disciples look a lot like me. They're broken. They don't know what's going on. They say stuff they shouldn't say. Pretty sure Paul probably, or, or Peter cussed a few times. Uh, definitely tried to stab somebody. Been there. I know how that feels. And so, any, anybody relate to any of those disciples? 
Are those the guys that you pick to represent the kingdom of God? Then why do we discount ourselves? Why do we discount ourselves? Sometimes we don't obey the mission because we're so occupied with who we are and not occupied in who God wants us to be. What God will do. Because if we'll get in the Word, those things will naturally happen. Because whatever you put down in a well always comes back up in a bucket. Right? Always. So he says, remember he's kicked out the synagogue, so he says, and he left there and he went to the house of a man named Titus Justice, a worshiper of God. So he's like, those people don't want it, I'll go to the people that do. So Paul, he said, his house was next door to the synagogue. All right, synagogue doesn't want it. So Paul said, I'm just going to go next door. I heard about this guy. So he goes and starts having church right beside the Jewish synagogue. They're teaching religion and law over here and legalism. And Paul said, fine, I'll just go next door. And I'll, you won't let me start a revival in the synagogue. I'll just start it in the house next door that you don't want to have anything to do with. And so Paul didn't let his failure change his plans. A lot of times things don't go the way that we want them to. So we just let everything die. Did you know sometimes God will let things die so that you can get to the new thing that he's trying to get you to? Some things don't need to be resurrected. And so here, Paul's occupied so much with the mission that the plan changed, but the mission never changes. Our church may look different 14 years down the road, but I'll tell you what, what, as long as I have anything to do with it, the mission won't look any different because we're Matthew 28 all the way. That's what we've been called to do. We've been called to make disciples, to teach, to baptize, teaching them to obey, making disciples. So he comes up with this plan. The plan changed. So Paul's like, well, the mission is the same. So how do I keep the mission the same? And I can go about continuing to do what I've been called to do. So when the plan changed, he just goes next door to share the gospel. The mission stayed the same. I think a lot of times in churches, we get really leery that it starts off one way and it slowly drifts off. Am I speaking to anybody? Like, what will this look like in five years? Oh gosh, they got a light that's a different color in there. It's on. I heard the word campaign. Guard your pocketbooks. We let words freak us out because we worry about the mission changing. Here's what I'm going to tell you as your pastor. The mission will not change here. Because I will stand before Jesus one day and have to be held accountable to this. To the way that this was led and the way that we do things here. I will have to stand before Him on the behalf of our church. And what I want Him to say is, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because we are on mission to do what he's asked us to do his vision his church anybody with me all right now you're talking he says in verse 8 crispus the ruler of the synagogue he believed in the lord and together with his entire house see here's what happens the plan changes and the mission stays the same watch what happens his entire household and many of the corinthians hearing paul believed and were baptized so just because the plans may change, but the mission doesn't, God sees the bigger picture than what we see. It's always been about people. Ministry is about people. Church is about people. Shepherding is about people. It's never been about the things. It's never been about music or lighting 
or pianos or my gosh, I remember when drums came into the church, it was like Satan is here. You know what I'm saying? When the projectors came in. I was I remember leading worship and we had overhead projectors and I had to wait on somebody to slide the projector down so we could get to the next verse. Any overhead projector people? Any felt board Sunday school people where they had the little felt boards? Man, can we bring that back? Um, except when you didn't know how to play guitar well, because we're not all like Mr. Cameron here, but they would write the guitar chords on it in the little, the little marker, the dry erase marker, and then somebody would go to slide the thing and it would smear the chord. Now, I didn't know what the next chord was. That was fun. Uh, we were definitely Holy Spirit dependent in the days of the overhead. But sometimes the plans change, but you have to stay focused on the mission. And when Paul's plans changed, he was relentless to say, I'm occupied in the word and I'm occupied with the mission. I'm going to do what he tells me to do, regardless of what this looks like. And he stays true. The next verse is very interesting. I don't know what your Bible looks like. But these next words are in red. Now, what do the red letters mean in the scriptures, anybody? It's the words of Jesus. Now, here's where your brain should be wondering right now. How are these the words of Jesus if this is the book of Acts? Because didn't he already, when he already crucified, dead, resurrected, and ascended by this point? I want you to think about this. The Lord chooses to speak to Paul after his ascension. And this is the one time that we see him do this. And I want you to let that carry the weight of what he's about to say to Paul. And he says this. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one's going to attack you. Nobody's going to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Do not be afraid. The Bible says that 365 times. That's one for every day. Except a leap year, you're on your own on that one day, but it's 365. Every day, he says, do not be afraid. I don't know if you know this, but the opposite of fear is not courage. The opposite of fear is faith. Because if you're going to be on mission, you're going to be called to things that are much bigger than you. If you're going to be on mission, you're going to be called to things that you don't know how to do and it's outside of what you know how to do and it's outside of your understanding. But that's where Jesus calls us into because that's where there's faith. And a lot of times we're scared to step into the faith. We want controllable environments that we can control this. Listen, the Holy Spirit is described this way with wind and fire. Two of the worst things that you could put together. Ask any firefighter. Ask the people in Hawaii. Wind and fire are not good. But the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as wind and fire because He cannot be controlled. It will also say that He is like the wind. Blows wherever He wants to. We can't contain it. He blows outside of the walls of this church, this building, this gym. We have to find out where the wind is and go with the wind. And this is what Paul's doing. He's saying... I'm going to move by faith. And Jesus says, so don't be afraid. Just go on speaking. We live in such a turbulent time where we're so scared to say things because we're going to offend somebody. And somebody's going to get upset and they're going to defriend us off of Facebook. 
Okay, I need a minute to clean that out anyway. But I'm gonna, I've been called to preach a gospel. And it's not a gospel that has been neutered. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we have been called to preach. And Jesus says, you go on speaking and you do not be silent about it. Don't worry if people start saying things about you and they want to try to hurt you because, you know, we talk about how we've been persecuted. There are literally people standing outside the synagogue ready to kill Paul. Multiple times this dude has been stoned. They drug him out of Jerusalem because he took a bunch of, bunch of Gentiles too close to the temple. Can't be taking Gentiles to church. That's not good. And so Paul, Paul's getting this word from Jesus of encouragement saying, hey, don't be silent. Do not be scared. Go on preaching the gospel. Plans are going to change, but the vision will always stay the same. So Jesus says, for I am with you. You know, it's interesting because in Matthew 28, when he gives us the great commission, the last words that he says is, I am with you. That's why we call it the great commission, because it's not just us. It is Jesus partnering with us to do the mission, because without him, it's, that mission is doomed from the start with him we can do everything through him and so he says i'm with you don't be afraid do not be afraid because i'm with you every move of god starts with stillness on our part you agree with that god does mighty great things but every move of God starts with us being quiet and still. So I'm like Moses. I don't want to go if your spirit's not there. And if your spirit goes, then I go. But God, if you're not there, I don't want to be there. Because I don't, I don't want to go where you're not. So I'm going to be faithful to follow you wherever that is. And even though my plans may change and I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to give up some things, it's for the sake of the gospel. And I'm going to go wherever it is that you call me to go. Jesus is telling Paul, the church will prevail without your plans. I've got it. It's in my hands. You preach the gospel. We were never, ever, 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 ever called to build a church. Did you know that? Nowhere in the scripture does it say you need to build the church. Remember what Jesus said? He tells Peter, and Caesarea Philippi that day on the rock, he says, hey, Peter, just so we're clear, I, Jesus, will build my church. I'll build my church. What are we called to do? Make disciples. If we will do what we're supposed to do, I'm pretty sure Jesus is going to take care of what he said he's going to do. He's been faithful. That's who he is. The church is going to prevail. And so I love when he says this, for I have many in this city, who are my people? Let me, let me Berkeley County that down for you. For I have many in this town who are my people. There, there are other congregations meeting across this county this morning. There are many of us who are followers of Jesus. And Jesus has chosen, chosen in this moment to speak. And what He speaks is boldness for Peter to continue, for Paul to continue, to reminding him I'm with you, to reminding him that there's a, there's a mission at stake, telling him, keep moving forward. I have many 
in this city. And Paul, you don't know them yet, but the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to them and you're going to share the gospel with them and they're going to come to know Jesus. Four years ago, there was a group of people that we sat in our living room and we said, what if the Bible, what if Jesus really meant what He said? That was the question. Now, we know, we know the answer to that question. He really did mean that. But what if we actually followed that and believed it that He did mean what He said He was going to do? And we dreamed. Because we knew there were many in this city, in this town. I don't know who, if anybody running for mayor, let me know. I'm, I really want to get it changed that this is a city and not a town. Uh, the city of Monk's Corner just sounds better than the town of Monk's Corner. But I'm from Dillon, South Carolina, and it was the city of Dillon. I'm pretty sure if Dillon's considered a city, this could be a city too. Uh, by, by, this could be a huge city compared to that. But Paul, Paul's saying, listen, I'm going to preach the gospel. And four years ago, we set out to say, we're going to preach the gospel. We're not going to, we're not going to sway from that. We're not going to do anything that, that hinders that. We're not going to do anything that's going to keep us uh, chasing rabbits anywhere else. Every year, we reconvene to find out, are we hitting our metrics? Are we hitting our marks? Are we going where we feel like the Spirit is doing? We've always set out to, to make sure as a church to say, if the Lord's not there, we're not either. We only step where He steps. Because I believe that there are still many people in the city. Four years ago, looking out over this group, y'all are y'all just prayers. Many of you were just prayers. Others were sitting in that room with us. Y'all remember? We used to sit in that crowded cafeteria. There was about 40 of us. And it was hot. And I had to go to Lowe's and buy fans. And our whole church setup, y'all, was a wagon. A wag, a wag, just a, wag, a beach wagon. I'd used it on Saturday for the beach, and I moved our entire church in here on Saturday. I just pulled out my car and just drug in what we had. We didn't have anything. We had Jesus and His mission. That's all we had. Today, we have a 20-something foot trailer that needs to be pressure washed. We don't even own chairs. But what we have is Jesus and a mission. That's all we need. That's all we need. So Paul, Paul was set out to love people and meet people where they were. He didn't have a number. At, at Together Church, there's no magical number. We don't have number goals here. I'm not thinking, all right, by December, we should have around 14,502. I don't care about that. I'll tell you why I don't care about that. Because I've read nowhere in the Scripture that when I'm talking to Jesus, and when all this is said and done, that He's going to go, hey man, what was your church attendance? You know what his question is going to be? How did you do on making disciples? Because we can get numbers in here. We can go put a ton of inflatables out there tomorrow. We can hire a Goodyear blimp to come by. Right? Got some of you cheerleaders. Y'all cut cartwheels out front. We can get people here. But we're not about numbers. And we'll celebrate. We'll celebrate what God's doing. But numbers are stories of what God's doing in people. But let me, let me help you understand this. A couple of years ago, I decided that I wanted to set out on trying to try my hand at carpentry. Okay? I don't do carpentry anymore, FYI. Because I set out to try it. And I was all in. All in on the, the thing. And so I decided uh, to go online and find like some plans and just try to build some random things. So I decided 
that my first project, because I remember as a kid, I attempted to build a birdhouse and that hole was not big enough for the bird to go in and it did, it, my dad threw it away. And so I decided I'm going to build a coffee table. Right, that thing took a while because I, I took it apart like three times to put it back together because I missed a step because I don't do very well with following step written instructions uh, because I know better um, until the third time that I've taken it apart. And it actually turned out kind of decent. Like it didn't wobble. That was my whole thing was like, if it just doesn't wobble, I feel like I accomplished something. And then I didn't have any plans of what to do with said coffee table. I was going to build it, right, just to see. And then my wife wants to put it in our living room. And my fears were like, oh, gosh, I don't know that I want to be staring because I could tell you every little imperfection of said coffee table, right? And don't get it twisted that you think this is some fancy coffee table. It's just a couple of boards that have been put together and it looks very farmhouse, okay? That's how you get away with it. And, but people walk in the house and they'll say something about the table. My wife will go, oh, Robbie made that. Oh, Robbie made that. Not one time has she been like, you want to see the hammer and the saw that made that table? Come here, let me show you this hammer. And she doesn't bring the hammer out. I'm like, this is the one that he used, right? How dumb would it be for us to celebrate church like that and all these numbers of going, look at all these tools that made this instead of like, look at the creator who made this. The tools never get the credit. It's always the creator that does it. We have an amazing group of elders at this church. We have amazing board members at this church. We have amazing volunteers at this church. We have amazing worship team. But it's not about us. We're just instruments in the hands of God. We've always got a point back. I know what you're thinking. We've been going a long time and I still got some points. I'm going to get to those. Hang tight. Last verse. Let me read this again. I just want to remind you what Jesus says to Paul. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking. Do not be silent. I'm with you. Nobody's going to attack you. Nobody's going to harm you. For I have many in this city. And Paul stays a year and six months teaching the Word of God among them. He's discipling them. He's baptized. And he's making disciples by teaching them the things that they need to know. And a year and six months, that's a long time in Paul years. Because he didn't stay anywhere long. Paul moves around a lot making these disciples and growing these churches until jesus comes back we are going to be about his mission here's what we need from you i was always told this that my job as a pastor is to cast the vision of the church and to get you on board with the vision that's trash that's not that's not a pastor's job is to cast it this is not my church I hate it when people go like, I go to Robbie's church. It ain't my church. See these hands? There are no wounds. I, did not, I was not crucified for this place. Jesus was. And my job as a pastor is to create an environment where God unleashes His vision for your life. For your life. Because if you're living on mission as an individual, we can meet the mission that Jesus has given us corporately as a body. This isn't, hey, come on, I have a plan. Help me accomplish the plan. It's like, hey, Jesus has a mission. Let's go get this together. Let's go do what He calls us to do. This is you encountering God in a place and God gives you a vision for your life and a mission for your life. And in order for us to fulfill that, we've got to do that as individuals. We've got to live individually on mission. So how's God going to change the world through Together Church? Let me give you 
A couple of points very quickly. Number one, God will use us to change the world and our city or the people here through personal relationships, relationships, not mass marketing. You can breathe right here. There will never be a day that you're driving down Highway 52 and there is a billboard of Allison and I on the billboard with our Olin Mills look inviting you to church. There would be a lot of car wrecks. Not because of her. Just saying. We won't, we're, not, we're not about us. You'll be invited here through personal relationship with people who love Jesus and want you to experience the same Jesus. We will be occupied with the Word. We're going to teach the Gospel here. We're not going to do your feel-good sermons where, hey, here's 15 things that you can do to get rich. Finances and marriage problems, and that's Gospel problems. That's a gospel problem. So what we'll do is we'll teach Jesus and preach Him crucified as Paul did. And I promise you that if you focus on the gospel, all these issues that you have, Jesus will take care of. I don't. This is not a self-help church. We can't self-help you. But what I can do is point you to one who can. Because Jesus will do far more than I can ever do. We'll also be a church that will continually point people to Jesus. This is why we don't preach sermons about how to have a better life. Because Jesus didn't come for us to have a better life. Jesus came because He is life. Big difference. And this isn't, this isn't our, we're not living our best life now. And if you're living your best life now, have you guys heard about a little place called heaven? The Gamecocks never lose in heaven. We'll change the world through ministry partnerships with people in this town, in this city. We're going to partner with people. We're going to, it's time to break out of the walls of the church and start serving people. Many of you do that. Many. It's funny that I'll find out that there was a need, and I'm like, what can we do? Nothing. This group's already taking care of it. What? Yeah, somebody needed a house, and they found them a house, and they got them set up. Or, or this person... They've been in the hospital. Don't worry, we got five months of food set up for them. It's no problem. Or this person's going through this. Oh, don't worry about it because we already got this. Like, you guys are being the church. Like, there's no issue here because you're, you're serving people. There are things that are happening that I don't know about. I'm perfectly fine with that because that just means that you've taken a hold of the gospel. We're going to always fail forward. We're not going to fall backwards. We're going to fail forward because we understand that the vision that Jesus has for this church is solid, but the plans change. We will not be a safe church. You cannot be a safe church and follow the Holy Spirit at the same time. We'll talk more about that later. We're going to take risk for the gospel. We're going to take risk for the gospel. You've got to hear that last part of what I just said. We will be a church of courage. We're going to step out in faith. Why? Because Jesus is with us. And we're going to step into where His Spirit is and where He calls us to be. We're not going to apologize for that. And here's the most important thing. We will listen to the Lord. And you can add this to that. We will listen to the Lord and we will be filled with His Spirit. But right now, what I want us to do, we're going to do something completely different this morning. We're going to sing. So worship team can come on. It's not about a building, it's about your mission in your life. And what I want to call you to this morning, there's some space, and we're going to make this an altar. This is an altar. The floor is a lot cleaner than it was two weeks ago. This is an altar. 
And this weekend, what I want you to do is to, to, for us as a response to the Scripture, I think you need to hear His vision for your life and what He's called you to. And you can pray from your seat, but there's something about stepping out and moving forward that puts in a different perspective for us. And what I want us to do is we're singing. I want you to, to move from where you are and come down here. You can get on your knees. Some of you can't do because of medical. I get it. You can sit on the chair. But I want us to pray for one another. And I want us to hear from the Holy Spirit. When we pray, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're bending down, kneeling before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and listening for what He wants for our lives. So as we start to sing, just feel, feel free to move and come and pray and ask God to show His, His vision for your life. What is it that you want me to do? Who is it that you're asking me to go reach? Who is it that you want me to have a conversation with? What is it that I'm being occupied? Some of it is just going to be surrendered this morning of saying, God, I've been occupied with the wrong things. I want to be occupied with you. This is a place this is open. We're going to sing. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that we would have boldness to come forward and pray. God, it's nothing special about us moving, but it's just something about physically moving and surrendering ourselves to you. It puts everything in perspective. And I pray this morning that right now would be a turning point for people because you have called us all to the mission. And there are things and giftings that you've given us in our lives that you're asking us to use to point people to you. And I just pray right now that whatever is hindering that, whatever we've been occupied with that is not you, God, that we would lay it down. And your word says that if we will repent and we will confess our sins, you are just and faithful to forgive those. We do not come before a king who brings about condemnation. We come before a king, God, that loves us, that is our father, that has called us sons and daughters of God. And I pray right now that there would be a surrender in this place to Your Holy Spirit. We know You're doing a move here in this place. In our lives. God, right now, let Your Holy Spirit come. Let Your Holy Spirit fill us. When we came to a day of salvation, that wasn't all of the Spirit that You've given us. I pray right now that we would be filled with the Spirit. Be overflowing with the Holy Spirit in this place. We believe there is a move among this community of people. And the enemy will attack and the enemy will do everything in his power to occupy us with things that do not matter, things that are not of this kingdom. And I pray even right now, God, I myself repent of the things that have distracted me from you. May we have boldness to ask you, to confess to you, to repent to you. And may we approach you knowing that there is no condemnation. That in your presence where we have fear, your perfect love casts that out. I pray right now you have your way. It's all about you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.